Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. We are in a section of Torah, Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. When Rabbi Micah was here, uh, I was in the Green Book as a student, uh, and it was not the same page number as someone announced for the Green Book. So I think there are two editions of the Green Book. So if we announce a page, and you're like, wait, what? It's not you. Um, And of course, George got the one the other day that was missing 50 pages. I think that says something, but that's another conversation. Um, so, uh, So really just look and make sure you're in the book of Numbers, and you're in chapter 9 and verse 15, and you're not in the text if there's not Hebrew directly across from your English. Otherwise, you are in the commentary. We're in one of those parshiot where I am tempted to read off of the triennial. Um, We begin with the explanation of how the Israelites were to travel, and then we get this business about trumpets and blowing trumpets and which sound and whatnot, and and then we get a very long list of the standards and who the princes were of each tribe, and that's our triennial reading. But you know me. So where are we going from? So we're going to uh, do this morning's lesson. I, we, we always teach B'Shem Omro. We always teach in the name of the one who taught us something. Otherwise, it's considered stealing. Um, so we always teach B'Shem Omro. So people keep saying, why does she always say, Rabbi this, Rabbi that, Rabbi this, Rabbi that? Am I supposed to know these people? Yeah. It's like, no. We never teach something as if it were our own. Unless it's our own, we give credit. We teach B'Shem Omro. So in the Talmud, you see Rabbi Gamliel says in the name of Rabbi Shmuel says in the Rabbi in the name of Rabbi because you're 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 giving credit to the people who taught it, who gave it and it's to not you. Only in the Torah that you do that. If you promote somebody, you have to tell. Uh, absolutely. Or you tell a joke where you got it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we are going to learn from Rabbi Meir Schweiger this morning. Um, so Rabbi Meir Schweiger teaches at Pardes. He's the Mashkiach Ruchani. He's the spiritual director of Pardes in Jerusalem. Uh, they have a wonderful podcast on, on the week's Torah portion. And so this, is, this lesson is, is taken entirely from Rabbi Meir Schweiger's 2009 Shi'ur, his lesson on uh, this exact part of the Parsha. So you can find it if you want to go listen to it. We're always going to add, of course, our... Our insights and conversation, right? Around, uh, we're going to reconstruct everything. That's what we do here. All right. So let's look at verse chapter nine, verse fifteen. Mm-hmm. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the pact, and in the evening it rested over the tabernacle in the likeness of fire until morning. It was always so. The cloud covered it, appearing as fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from the tent, the Israelites would set out accordingly. And at the spot where the cloud settled, there the Israelites would make camp. At the command of Adonai, the Israelites broke camp. And at a command of Adonai, they made camp. They remained encamped as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. When the cloud lingered over the tabernacle many days, the Israelites observed Adonai's mandate and did not journey on. 
At such times as the cloud rested over the tabernacle for but a few days, they remained encamped at a command of Adonai and broke camp at a command of Adonai. And at such times as the cloud stayed from evening until morning, they broke camp as soon as the cloud lifted in the morning. Day or night, whenever the cloud lifted, they would break camp. Whether it was two days or a month or a year, however long the cloud lingered over the tabernacle, the Israelites remained encamped and did not set out. Only when it lifted did they break camp. On a sign from Adonai, they made camp, and on a sign from Adonai, they broke camp. They observed Adonai's mandate at Adonai's bidding through Moses. Okay. Very exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. So, so it's um, the cloud rests over the Mishkan during the day. And at night, it's a it's fire, right? So it's a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, depending on what's going on, whether it's day or night. And as long as the cloud is over the Mishkan, the people do not move. But let's look at the very end of all of this repetition stuff. If we look at the very end, so we've been told 17 times now that when the they stayed until the cloud lifted. They stayed until the cloud lifted. When the cloud lifted, they broke camp and they moved. And they stayed until the cloud lifted. So we're pretty clear about that. But we get, we get something a little different at 23, right? Um, so they did not set out. Only when it lifted did they break, break camp. Uh, at 23, the conclusion of this business, Alpi Adonai Yachanu Alpi Adonai Yisa'u. So, literally, what is the translation? I'll pee. Yeah, I'll pee Adonai. By the mouth of God. Right? This, you, know, you know, when Rabbi Hyman said, you know, he doesn't like the translation. I'm like, oh, they're going to be so upset with that, right? They've never heard that before. So I'll pee out tonight. By a sign, okay, is that what it means? Is it, a, is it a euphemism? Okay, maybe it's a euphemism that means sign. Okay, but literally it says, I'll pee out tonight. By the mouth of God, they camped. By the mouth of God, they went. Right, they, they you saw, they moved forward. At Mishmeret Adonai Shamaru. So, you know, they observed God's mandate. Alpi Adonai, by the mouth of God, Biyad Moshe. <coughs> so, through Moshe. So there's a, there's, there's a couple elements here. It's by the mouth of God. So the, this cloud lifts, that's sign one. Right? That's the first part, sign one. But it seems there's, there's other components that we don't focus on in that whole paragraph. Alpi Adonai, it's by the command of God. Biyat Moshe, by the hand of Moshe. So you could say at an indication from God through Moses. Right? So it's somehow made known to Moses. Okay. Let's go on to 10. Oh, I'm, we're going to come back to that, of course. Um, but let's go to 10. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Have two silver trumpets made. Make them of hammered work. <clears throat> they shall serve you to summon military bodies of the community and to set the divisions in motion. When both are blown in long blasts, the whole company of fighters shall assemble before you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. 
and if only one is blown, the chieftains, heads of Israel's contingents, shall assemble before you. But when you sound short blasts, the divisions encamp on the east shall move forward. And when you sound short blasts a second time, those encamped on the south shall move forward. Thus, short blasts shall be blown for setting them in motion, while to convoke military bodies of the congregation, you shall blow long blasts, not short ones. The trumpets shall be blown by Aaron's sons, the priests. They shall be for you an institution for all time throughout the ages. Okay. So we have, we have two things go on. All right. So, so we've got a couple. So these are the instructions that are happening before the people are going to move, right? They are now going to start this whole routine that winds up being 40 years. It wasn't supposed to. But they're, they're starting this whole routine about what they have to do in order to move. When they camp and when they move. And when they move, how they're going to move. And then when they when they're camped somewhere else, there's other stuff that might have to happen. Like you might have to gather all the people together. All right, so let's look carefully at the instructions. So verse 2, make for yourself, God says to Moshe, which is already interesting, make for yourself two trumpets of silver, miksha. Miksha is hammered, beaten, right? Ta'aseotam, shall you make them. Vehayulacha lemikra, and it shall be for you a way to call ha'eda, the community, lemasa et hamachanot, right? To, to have the machanot, the different camps, move. Vitak'u bahen, right? So tak'u is the verb. So you might say, Blow, right? Vatakubahem, and you will blow them. But but what is this called? What is this related to? Of course, what? Huh? Takia. So essentially, you shall takiaify, right? Right. Yes, it's kind of a generic sound, sound the trumpet, but, but for our purposes, for this lesson, we're going to pay very careful attention to the verbs used. So, taku bahem, you will takia them, right? You will cause a takia to happen from them. Where am I? Oh, uh, verse 3. So when you when you make a tekia, then all of the eda will come to you el petach ohel moed at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So this is the disjunctive vav, not the conjunctive vav, but im im If but if only by one yitaku. You blow a tekiya. Then the only ones that will come to you are the princes of Israel, the heads of right 
of different units. LF can mean a thousand, of course, but Alfei Yisrael doesn't mean the thousands of Israel. It means the units. LF can also mean a unit. Everything makes more sense if you translate LF in these stories as unit rather than thousands. Like 600 units instead of 600,000 people marching through the desert at the same time, right? Okay, so, so two horns equals the Eda, right? The congregation. One horn equals the Nisim, right? The, the heads. Is it two blows or two horns? Horns. Okay, so it's the same, it's the same blow. verb used. Well, we don't know what the sound is yet. We're going to get a description of sound in a minute. But what, all we know right now is you're going to blow, you're going to sound. Two trumpets is the congregation. One trumpet is the nisi'im, or the heads. Okay. That seems pretty clear. Um, so... Utikatem truah. So look at this at verse five. Utikatem. So it's again this verb when y'all tekia. But when you tekia a what? Ah. When you tekia a teruah. Okay, that's clear as day, right? So it works if this is just. If this verb is just, you know, generic sound or blow, then it, it, it makes sense that you're going to sound a teruah. But the rabbis, they also were reading on the triennial and had to do something with this. Now, George, this, this shiur is going to stretch you a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. You are not going to like this so very much. You're probably not even going to go there. But let... But know that the rabbis are reading this as a love letter. The rabbis are reading, if this is the word of God, it can't just mean they blew a teruah and blah, 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 blah. Like, it can't just mean that. This is a love letter from God. This is revelation. It has to mean more. It has to. So you just have to stay there. But for the rabbis, it has to mean more. Okay, George? <laughs> so for the rabbis, it matters that it says you're going to tekia a teruah. Really? Okay, that makes no sense. So give us, please, Mickey, a tekia. It's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we've got, okay? We have a bunch of Give us a version. It doesn't matter. Don't even worry about how we do it at, at Rosh Hashanah. Give us a version of what a teruah short blast might sound like. Okay. Tekiah's the first. Teruah's the second. Okay. So you get those sounds. So what's happening... <laughs> So utikatem truah. So when you hear that second set, that the chirua, when you hear the chirua, what's that? V'nasau hamachanot hachonim kedma. When you hear short blasts, the divisions encamped on the east shall move forward. And when you hear chirua again, 
Those encamped on the south shall move forward. Thus, when are short blasts blown? Setting them in motion. All right, so teruah is motion. They're going to move. So who moves goes by what the sequence right what the sequence the sequence yeah. you go by sequence not there's no change in sound there's no change in how many it's about you hear it once oh that's not us we can wait <laughs> right it, uh, we heard it again you know okay but figure you're on the west okay we got to get ready cuz like right we're we're number 4 so that's already reading into the text already we're reading into is there a third and fourth set of truah that would be blown? There must, well, there, there must. So, so some, some of our scholars argue there had to be because you're going to leave the people from the west and the north like at the other camp, right? And you're going to move on without them. So one of our commentators, I think it was Rambam, who says, yeah, but the people, the, the people who do that stuff go with the second unit. No, because they have so, so, so you don't have anybody left. <laughs> they're, they're not there. They're, they, there's a sign to move with the second unit. Um, I find that hard to believe. I think it just isn't written. And you, usually, you know, I don't necessarily go there. If it's not here, it's not here. But I find it, uh, there's no way they would have had a system where the guys who blow go with the second division and then they're all go. Yeah. Uh, what do we do now? They're gone. Like they're they're not stupid, right? They right. So I have to believe what's just not written is there's a third and a fourth terua that meant the other divisions you know, and everybody with them moved uh, in uh, succession. But I but a question. While that seems perfectly obvious, why in why in verse ten do we get something like, well, okay, that's pretty clear that they they kept on going and doing the same thing. While in what we read at the beginning of uh, or in the middle second half of verse nine, it's like if it stopped, we stopped. If it moved, we, we stopped. You know, it just kept on going in excruciating detail. So. There was like nothing left to it. There's nothing to interpret there, and yet we have to interpret it in verse 10. It's very interesting. Right. Like, why Why so detailed over there? And here it's kind of like, uh, where's where's west and north? It's like, really? Okay, so, right. Who knows? Here we go. Um, but what we do know is verse 8. This is Here's this odd comment. The trumpets shall be blown by Aaron's sons. That makes sense, right? They're the priests. They shall be for you an institution for all time throughout the ages. So very interesting, given that uh, this was written long after any kind of desert experience that might have even occurred. Way after that. So it's interesting that he, so this is an institute where we're not going to be camping ever again. So what's the institution? Hearing. Hearing, okay. So hearing Takia ing trua business, something about that is an institution for all time. What we do know is that the priests blew chatzotrut. They blew trumpets at the temple. So if you imagine that they didn't imagine that the temple would be destroyed, God forbid, then you could say it would be an institution for all time. 
right? Because this, this was happening in the temple, and that was to be for all time. But maybe they're also saying that even beyond that, definition, that even beyond when the temple is destroyed, we still continue. We're here. Right, but what, but we don't blow silver trumpets. True. R- right. True. Right. True. Ah. Uh, but we <laughs> don't. We don't blow. I couldn't stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just. I got a good night's sleep. So. Um, we don't sound silver trumpets, and we don't have anything here that indicates shofar. Right. Nothing that indicates shofar. Except right. Except the, the continuance of the blasts. Except we are. We do. The sequence is still what we do. Rabbinic. Oh, okay. Rabbinic. So, so it's why it's not such a stretch because we still do it and the rabbis are going to interpret all this into tikkia, teruah, and what that means for us. So let's go to, let's go to that. Let's go to, <clears throat> let's go to tikkia, that you, y'all will tikkia, a teruah, Right? The rabbis are fixated on this. And they say, what this means is, just hang with me, what this means is there's a tekiah blown before the teruah, and there's a tekiah blown after the teruah. Whenever they were going to move. Right? Teruah means they're going to move. There was a tikiah blown, then a truah, then a tikiah. Mickey, let's hear what that sounds like. Tikiah, teruah, tikiah. That's different than what we heard before. Right? Before, we just heard move. Right? It's everybody's like, okay, wait, was that one? Was that two? Okay, right, we got we gotta get ready to go. First of all, they've seen the cloud lift. So it's not gonna be a shock. Right. That it's time to go. The cloud lifts, we have some business, LP I'll deny Biad Moshe. And then we have da 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 da. But what we just heard was something different. What's the difference? Why are the Why do the rabbis want tekia, teruah, tekia? Is it a call to attention? Everybody start listening, and now you're going to get your code. Uh, well, it. it all of this is attention getting. Yeah, it's, it's circular. It's a beginning and an end. Tell me more. It's. Um, it's continuous. We keep moving till we arrive. Okay. So it's it's eternal, infinite, infinite. So it's a it's a circle. But that is I'm thinking eight. Tell me the difference between a tekiah and a teruah. Okay. So in terms of sound, one is 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 has line, and one is staccato. Correct. So what would one imply versus the other? A continuation and movement. Oh, and uh, well, God is the one and the community is the individual. Very interesting. So God is the one. That was not in Rabbi Schweiger's. Because God is continuous. God is one. We've already added to the shiur. And the people are many. And God and, God and the people are one. 
and you want to make the whole thing one. Right. So it's all continuous. Right. Okay. What else? Yeah, so the true is encompassed in the tikkiah. This is important to the rabbis. This is how we blow it, Rosh Hashanah. We always surround the teruah with the tikkiah. So what else? Okay, God and the people, what else? The long blast of tikkiah versus the teruah. Well, one is calming because it's... Con- it could be an alarm. Okay. Tikkiah could be an alarm. Right. They're all pay attention. What this is about? Da, 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 da. It's about breaking down. Mm. It's about coming apart. You're about to come apart. You're taking the camp apart. You're going to move. But you don't know where you're going. Right. They just stay together. They were not given an itinerary. <laughs> they don't know where they're going, and you're going to break everything apart. Mm. So this is broken. They're individuals, yes, and they're going to now break everything apart and everybody has their job. Get moving. What did they come from? They came from being a unity. And they will come back after traveling to being a unity. But that's also kind of why I said, sorry. Like in music, right? There's a legato. And legato creates a sense of uh, connection and continuation. Right, so that's at Remez. So that's at the level of Remez. Pshat, Remez, Sod. Shallow level, you know, regular level. Remez is, what is it hinting at? Let's look at music. Sod. Okay, what, what is staccato, legato? What does it mean? It means? This is what it means. This is Remez. This is the, I mean, Sod. This is the secret, this is the secret meaning, right? This is the deeper meaning. The rabbis always translate, right, at p- Pardes. Right? Pshat, Remez, Drash, Sod. So yeah, it's all, yeah, it's all part of it. So, so the, for the rabbis, they really wanted a tekiah on either side of the trua. The trua alone is too chaotic, too, chaotic, too mm-hmm. chopped up. It could be frightening. Everything's coming apart. Mm-hmm. Like in... Which is good because everything has to get come apart before you can move to the next place, right? If everything stayed the same, everything would stay the same, right? So, right? So, this is what you gotta love about Torah. If you go there, if you're ready to go there, then it's a beautiful thing. That what seems so simple, right? So for the rabbis, it's just too, it's too stark and too scary to just have break everything down and move. So they look at utikatem truah, and you will tekia a teruah to mean there's a tekia on either side of the truah. And this is still how we blow today. And if we look at the emotional power of hearing this, it hits us, all of the sounds hit us. We stand, we move when the, the shofars blow at the high holidays. But the staccato sounds are like jabbing our hearts, too, to, to change, to go. Okay. Is it also saying that after we break up, we will always come together? Yes. Yes. Even when you're gone and scattered, you will reassemble. Absolutely. You're gone and scattered in a military operation. Yeah. And, right, that's why... First warning was to let us separate and have a military operation, which is another 
But as a military commander, as you know, I mean, a very specific military commander is new. But after a while, you come back together. Right. Well, this isn't a military yet. But it sounds like it. It sounds like I read this as just the camp's breaking because the clouds are no, no. and our camp is breaking. So, it, yes, and, yes and yes. Gun for gun, as we say. Also and also. It, it is, they are, when they break camp, they march in military formation because they are marching through the wilderness and they have units and they have assignments and they have, they are not going to war yet. They are, they are not going to war. Huh? Right. No, wait, 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 wait. The next paragraph anticipates when war comes into your land has nothing to do with them marching in the wilderness. But, but, but it anticipates that the sound will also be... Yes, absolutely. Well. Absolutely. So that's why I said yes and yes. Yes. We, they, they are breaking down camp, and they are just, they are just marching, but they're, but they're marching in a military formation because at any moment, they could be attacked. So th- these sounds, everything we've discussed so far is just for regular military marching. That's all. Now we're going to get to what happens when you're attacked. All right? So, so Richard, you want to read it nine? nine? When you are at war in your land against an aggressor who attacks you, you shall sound short blasts on the trumpets that you may be remembered before your God out of nine and be delivered from your enemies. And on your joyous occasions, your fixed festivals and new moon days, you shall sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and your sacrifices of well-being. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I, Adonai, am your God. All right. So, but we're not just getting war, are we? Nope. All right. So, the hare otam, when when we're going to be, when we're looking at a situation and when a war comes to your comes to you when, you're attacked. when war comes to you in your land right <laughs> I lost my place uh, we're at nine yeah, nine, yeah. right hare otam bechatzot the hare otam bechatzot this is <clears throat> about teruah. This verb. It's the call to action you have to fight. So, right? So, and like George said, everybody has their mission and everybody's going to scatter and do what they have to do, right? And then everybody's going to come back. We're not talking about the desert anymore. We're not talking about the, what we were just looking at, that formation. We're talking about in Eretz Israel when they're attacked, you're Horsemen go this way, and your charioteers go that way, and your foot soldiers go that way, and your leaders gather here, right? So everyone goes to what they know their assignment is. It's still that way any country gets attacked. Everybody goes where they're supposed to go, right? Um, So you're going to do this teruah business, and so the teruah is about, in this sense, crisis, right? It 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 denotes not traveling now. It denotes crisis and everybody's splitting up to do what they need to do. But it, it, it says you're going to sound the short blasts 
that you may be remembered before your God Adonai and be delivered. So, now, up until now, it's basically, God is always there. Either the cloud is settled or the cloud is moving. Right? So the cloud lifts, they move. The cloud settles, they stay. And this is going on and on. So, so they're marching through the desert, and then they get attacked. So you've got these crisis blasts. But it sounds almost as if that you may be remembered before your God. It's not like God has, has gone, gone away somewhere where you, all of a sudden you've got to blow. Hey, God, come back to help us. I mean, why, why does God need to be reminded that he has to go? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. So let's look, before we talk about that, let's look at the next place. We're going to have the same thing. Right? So remembered before God, obviously here means you will be delivered from danger. Okay? So let's go to the next one. Uvayom simchatchem, and on the day of y'all's rejoicings, uvamoadechem, and on your sacred times, uvaroshechodchechem, and on the you know, first of your moons, your new moons, utikatem bechatzotrot. So what's here? Mm-hmm. Utikatem. This is Takia. This is celebration. If I could spell in English. This is a time of joy. But there's no mention of a tikkun gadol. No, that's rabbinic. There is no such thing here. There's not shvarim either, right? All right. So tikkatem. So in times of celebration and joy, you're going to blow. Tikkia again. We're reading in here. Mayor Schweiger's reading in here. This is. It just says you'll. These are different words, possibly just generic words for sounding, but let's just play with the fact that they choose different words, right? They do choose different words here. All right, so in your festivals and stuff, you will do tkatem b'chatzotrot, you will do a tekiah, essentially, on your chatzotrot, on your trumpets, and over your sacrifices. Yeah? And... And you will be for a remembrance before your God, Ani Adonai Elohechem. I am Adonai your God. So again, we're being remembered before God. The first was for deliverance. The second is for what? To, well, if it says they, sh- they shall be a reminder of you before your God, um, is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to create like uh, connect to the ancestral memory of being before the tabernacle, being before God as a community? When you're in the land. When you're in the land. When you're doing the tikkias for celebration and joy. So, so there should be some parallel between them. Right? Like, yes, one's about deliverance. One is about, what, what is it about? Let's, let's just clarify that first. All right, this is about deliver us from our enemies, right? If we're remembered before God, what is that going to look like? That's going to look like deliver us from our enemies, meaning we're victorious in battle. What might it look like at a time of celebration to be remembered before God? What might the, what's the result there? Hmm? 
Yeah, but that's yeah, but Malchuyot could be either one that we're crowning God, and we're going to get to the fact that this is a coronation. But like, what are those short blasts for the individuals as opposed to the tribal effect? So that's here, Trua. Here's Takia. I just want to go to what does it mean to be remembered before God on a day of celebration? That is blessed to be joyful. That we are blessed. We're all together. Well, but that's a fact. Right. We're all together is a fact. What's being remembered before God with this trumpet business? And to celebrate it, and trumpets are loud to make the sound. So perhaps it's more about to bring God in to have us win here. Here, it's about may we feel a sense of your presence. May we feel that you're here. It's one thing to go to shul. It's another thing to feel like you're having some kind of a spiritual experience. It's another thing to feel like you're in a holy space and this is an amazing thing and this is special and different and efficacious. Right? Those are different things. Just because you're all together and it's Rosh Hashanah. Okay, is that enough to do it sometimes? And maybe for some people after a long time away or it's their first time, whatever. Like, I'm not saying that's not wonderful and not really moving. But really, we... Right, that we, we, we want to be remembered before God on those celebration days, so we, we want to feel that there's, that there's something special happening, that we're close, we, that, the, that the celebration on our Moed, our Moed or our Rosh Chodesh, that it's, that it's working, that we're closer to the divine. Did the rabbis then look at this and say, short glass means action, move, do? Long blasts have a broader meaning of coming together, celebrating. It's the opposite of action. Yeah. It's enjoyment, it's prayer, it's, it's community. I think that's fair. That, that one is about, okay, something has to happen here. You know, it, meaning, like you said, physical, you know, all kinds of action and individuals have to take action. When we're coming together on our, on our festivals, we're coming together as a unit. We're back to right this idea of unity, and we're together. And it's not about action; it's dafka, the opposite. Shabbat, you know, Yom Tov. It's all for, remember the rabbis are writing these commentaries, so you know, for them, it's like dafka. You stop doing. It's about cessation of doing and and monkeying and manipulating in the world, and it's about being together. So I think that's absolutely where the rabbis go with this whole true tekiyah business. But the but the parallel between the two is that the fact that you've got the tekiyahs in both is tekiyahs those blasts are in an intensification of whatever's going on. Whatever the whichever the context is, it's an intensification. So if there's a crisis. Yeah, you've got all the blasts going on that are sending the military units hither and yon. And the unity in and of itself needs to be intensified into a mindfulness of what it's all about. So that's the point of the horns. Right. The point of the horns is to bring something else into it. And what the rabbis say is that that's God. It brings God into it in a different way when you blow the trumpets, Rita. As I recall, our sanctuary was designed so that that cloud is all over us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the actual business where that's right, right, Judah. That's exactly right. Right. So when you look up from the bima and you look through the open windows, you see a big silver chunk. Right. That is 
um, symbolic of the cloud that was over the, the camp. And, um, and when you walk into the foyer in the, before the social hall, you'll see that it's designed to look like a tent. Right, the the wall, the ceiling is designed to look like a tent, so that th- this is supposed to be right, reminiscent of. And the colors here, right, are sand and sea. Right, so so the idea is that it evokes both where we are, sand and sea, but it also evokes this idea of um, of the Mishkan, of being together. Um, you mentioned too, Amy, just because we're talking about this, that our architect Richard Weinstein, who get, gave us tremendous insight into our own tradition and the way we built this building died fairly recently. Yes. And he wanted, his wife wanted to have his memorial service here because it was his shining glory to build the center. Lovely. Okay. I'm looking for a quote. So, the next place that Mayor Schweiger goes in his shiur is that he wants to take this business of the horns one step further and this business of invoking God. Like we're we're to be remembered before God. So that's the language that's been used but we've all come to the conclusion that that means something about bringing the divine in, bringing us closer to the divine. Okay, we're going to buy that. We're going to say that that's what's going on. So if... still hear this as the voice. So... So... Your king is a reflection of your fear. I'm looking for the beginning of that quote. And I made a big mistake and didn't number all of my pages. I was writing too fast. All right. All right. So somehow, um, so that we're to fear God, right? We are to be in awe of God. We are to fear God. How do I show I'm making God king? How do I do that? Right? We sound the trumpets. Right, so that it's it's about saying we want to be remembered before God, but also when you blow the trumpets, you're also saying something about God, right? You're acknowledging because why why wouldn't you just use a harmonica, <laughs> right? God's here, God's close, we're jamming, right? It's all groovy, it's all happening. So it's well, of course practically it's because it's loud enough, but but. That's the only reason we're using them. Why else do we use them? What do you blow before the king? Right. It's like, so, absolutely. So this is about making sure that God understands we're making God king. Help us, help us, help us. You're our king. We are your followers. We are your subjects. We are your servants. Right? Same here. We are your people. So it's about coronation. And whenever you have, right, a coronation, you have a sounding of the horns, which does tie directly to Rosh Hashanah. Right? Because remember, Rosh Hashanah in the Bible is what? What do we do on Rosh Hashanah in the Bible? It's a crown. It's in the Bible, what is Rosh Hashanah? The new year. No. No, it's not. It's not the head of the year in the Bible. In the seventh month, on the 14th day of the month. It's the seventh month. Why do we call it Rosh? Oh. Oh. Somebody want to answer, Judith? Please. 
Laura, why do we call it Rosh Hashanah if Rosh Hashanah is in Nisan? Because in the diaspora and the Babylonian era, that was the new year celebrated when they crowned the king. Yes. So you made it. Say that again. So when we were in exile in Babylonia, the Babylonians had a festival in the fall where they, where they recrowned the king. They subjected themselves once again as subject... Well, that's dumb. They, they admitted, they had a ceremony saying, we are your subjects. We accept you as king. They crowned the king in the fall and that it was the beginning of the year. There is an ancient Israelite tradition of the year starting in the fall. But there's also one of it starting in the spring. Spring dominated. There you go. So spring dominated until we were exposed to the religion of Babylonia. This is where Malchuyot happens. That's where Malchuyot comes in. The rabbis in Babylonia take the language of coronation and bring it over to our fall holiday that in the Bible tells us what are we supposed to do? Sound tekiah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yom Truah. That's all we have. Yom Truah is all we have for that holiday that we now call Rosh Hashanah. That's it. Yom Truah was in order to let you know that Yom Kippur was coming. Yom Truah was the first day of the month that Yom Kippur fell in. So the Truah was get ready, get moving, because in two weeks, or whatever it is, 10 days, um, thank you. I've only been a rabbi for 21 years. Um, I'm Jewish my whole life. So, um, so in 10 days, Yom Kippur's coming. So get moving, but that's it. That's all. Malchuyot, all this business about crowning God, the coronation, all of that stuff is from Babylonia. But it works. Right? I mean, I'm not harping on it to say it wasn't always that way. I'm saying there was something really powerful about saying we, you know, we, we announce that the king is going to be here differently. We talk about Malchuyot. What's the other one we talk about? What's the other shofar blowing, Mickey? Pardon? The other shofar blowing, Malchuyot. What's the other one? Zichronot. Zichronot. It doesn't come out of nowhere. Malchuyot, kingship. Zichronot, remembrance. Extra credit if you know the third one. <laughs> Shofrot's the third one, but Malchuyot, Zichronot, Shofrot. Those are the three sections of blowing. Usually, if you go to Shul, you have three separate huge blowings. How many soundings altogether of the shofar? How many sounds come out of the shofar in total? A hundred. Mickey knows. A hundred blasts (laughs) total. But because we're reconstructionists, you do not hear a hundred blasts at KI. So a hundred blasts total 
um, when we were in Israel, we went to see this artist who, his new thing, he's been a Kabbalist for a very long time, and this amazing young man, just amazing, and, um, and he has this beautiful artwork, and, but it wasn't the kind I was really drawn to, but it was like really intricate and really amazing, and so then um, he started explaining to us what his work is right now. He's always been fascinated with shofar, and he has studied all the literature and the mystical literature around shofar, and what he's done is he has passed the hundred blasts of the shofar through a computer that analyzes the sound of those blasts right in order. Like all of them, the hundred blasts through a computer, and then it he has it print out a visual readout of the sound waves. The pattern of the sound waves, and his art is about drawing those sound waves and so you come out with a visual representation of a hundred blasts so remind me and I'll show you I'll show you the piece that I bought from him uh, I have this card in my office no there's lots he has lots of different kinds and shapes and versions and one he has like triangles and different colors that represent the different blasts that's the one I bought it's just fabulous and then I bought another one which is a long skinny one that looks more wavy you know and it's it's the actual sound wave it's just fantastic but but so there's lots of levels right at which because you have to imagine a hundred blasts going through you like does it changes something doesn't it right so is that why we cut it down because our bodies (laughs) no (laughs) it's because Jews do not want to sit in services for (laughs) three hours Uh, and because we do two services Uh early and late we have to get one group out and get another group in and try to get out of there before four o'clock so um, (laughs) yes so if we take that blowing the the in this case chatzotrot is coronation, is crowning God as king, then we're doing that both when we are in crisis and when we're celebrating, celebrating, right? That in both of those times, we acknowledge God as king. So if we're doing it, right, and when we're um, looking at at the, the teruah, I love where he went with this. He said, when we're looking at Trua and, and crowning God as king, what we're essentially saying is we're, we're, this is where we're moving. We go back to the, now we're going back to the desert. Trua means we're moving, which means we are acknowledging with the sounding of the Chatzot's wrote that we are God's troops. We're not just moving to move. Because, right, it's because God said so, A, but but we're acknowledging with the sounding of those horns and, and announcing that we believe God is king, ruler, however we want to talk about that, then we are God's, we are the subjects of the king and we're moving, we're following the king's orders to move, which means we are God's troops. That's what we're saying. Onward Israelite soldiers. 
onward Israelite soldiers. Exactly. Right? Do you ever <laughs> compare words that you thought things were in songs because you were too young to know what the words were? Like, I'm not talking about the linen. And I don't want to change your life. Well, one of my best friends in growing up thought it was onions crushed on shoulders. I, I always... I, that's what I always hear. And then she had a friend. She went to Catholic school. And she had a friend named Dolores Whitney. So she thought it was Hail Mary full of grace, Dolores Whitney. But that was another one. All right. When we travel, um, right? And so as troops, we're acting to fulfill God's will. Right? That's, that's what troops do. Right? They, they enact by their movements the will of the king. And uh, he also says, uh, Rabbi Schweiger says, that this is not talking about shofar, right? It's talking about uh, the chatzotrot, and the trumpets are, and here we go back to that aselecha chatzotrot. Make for yourselves chatzotrot. Why does that have to say make for yourselves? What are you going to do? Do like genie and like conjure them? Well, of course you have to make them. Duh, right? But, but if we're going to read deeply into it, what it means is make for yourselves chasotrot. Take something that's about your creativity. Be responsible. Something that you are doing, something that you create and sound that, right, for these occasions. Then the Talmud talks about um, the fact that on our now, Rosh Hashanah, what do we sound? The shofar. And who made that? God. Yep. So we, when we sound the shofar, right, it was shana, we are sounding something made by God. Davka, not trumpets. We, we could have had this whole business of the coronation since it makes a lot of sense. We're crowning God as king. All this business is talking about silver trumpets. It really makes sense that on Rosh Hashanah, what should we be blowing? Something. Silver trumpets. Right. Not that. There must be some regulations as how these horns get taken, though. I mean, what does the poor animal do without that horn? Yeah, it's really one of Yeah, but one horn is not so effective. There must be regulations about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, what was I saying? Why are we blowing silver? Why are we blowing silver trumpets, right? Like, we are blowing the shofar, right? And so, like, so part of what the rabbis want to say is so, show, they say shofar was blown in the temple. But so were these chatzotrot. So were these metal, metal, these silver trumpets. Both were part of the ritual. Because remember we read, you shall blow them over your sacrifices. So what we know from the Mishnah, the Mishnah tells us that silver trumpets were in fact blown when sacrifices were offered in the temple. So this continues. Shofar was also blown. So it's interesting. Why? Why that one? Why not, a, why not a trumpet? This is what we do. Well, this is natural. This is God made. It's, right, it's representative of God. Bringing God. Well, not something that is man made. 
but having God be a part of the entire thing by even blowing something that God created. Okay, so it's more intensely connected to God because God made it, we didn't make it. Okay. Laura, were you going to say something? I'm not lying, I think it's also recognizing that God's um, power is greater maybe to do something that God Mm -hmm. created, elevating God over whatever we can create. Elevate God over anything that we could have created. Elevate God over anything that we could have created. So Rabbi Schweiger goes to a quote from Michelet, a quote from Proverbs. And it is Proverbs twenty four twenty one that says, Fear God and King, my son. And so what do the rabbis do with this? They look at a midrash, and a midrash on this says, how do we fear God and show that God is our king? It's when we allow our yetzer hatov to conquer what? Over yetzer hara. When we allow our good inclination to win over our evil inclination. When our actions, right? Remember, all this is about action and moving and doing. When that is about reflecting that we accept God as king, that we are in awe of the divine, and how do we make that manifest in the world is that we serve the good. Even though the temptation is there, the materialism, the selfishness, the focus on shallow stuff, the focus on my reputation, my power, my salary, my benefit, whatever it is. We, it's there. That's okay. It's all right that it's there. But it's about allowing our yitzir hatov, our good inclination to, right, to win, to serve that, to have our actions that we do in the world, our movements, if you will. Our movements in the world should be about, right, serving the good. Do we know when the shofar was introduced as the same as the trumpets? I mean, we've only talked about the silver trumpets. When, when did the shofar come? We don't have a discussion of shofar in Torah, but, but there's evidence from the Mishnah that shofar was blown in the temple. At the same time. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the, the details, frankly. I haven't studied what the role of shofar was in the temple. It's admirable that it's been there forever. Because the rabbis aren't so interested in the role of shofar in the temple. They're interested in this whole new holiday they created. They're interested in the role of shofar in Rosh Hashanah. It didn't have a big role in the temple that we know of. It doesn't survive. The literature telling us, I mean, I, I don't know, I haven't looked, I haven't studied the Mishnah closely about Shafar enough to know. Mickey would know more than me. The, the trumpets don't survive, and they're here. The Shofar is not here, and yet it's... Correct. So that's why I was asking why that instead of the trumpets, right? And so folks seem to have this sense that, because this is more connected to the divine, it's more connected to God because it's not man-made, right? That that's why um, Shofar translates. So, essentially all of this is saying what does all of this say? You tell me what all of this is saying. <laughs> what is it all saying? When good things happen, blow a horn. 
toot your own and it's schmaw listen you're going to hear it right so Rabbi Schweiger concludes uh, by saying all of the details, all of these details that we've had until now about getting ready to move is about emphasizing the unity of the people with each other, right? They're one people. And we go back to Alpi Adonai. There is a sign from God to tell them to move first. Then it's Alpi Adonai, right? It's, it's, it's the, the people are united with each other, that they are connected to the divine the divine is connected to them. The divine is communicating to them through Moshe, through leaders, right? And that they journey as troops of God. And in journeying as troops of God, it changes their role. They become kingly. They become dignified, right? Don't you feel like when you're on a mission for somebody or something you respect, you are lifted up somehow you are changed you are dignified by that mission right absolutely versus you're running an errand and you're schlepping right schlepping versus mission is huge in how we feel about ourselves so his point is that that but it's not just okay you're supposed to do that it's that we are changed by acknowledging that we are the troops of god and we are like that we become kingly we become princes it's empowering and we become godlike ourselves when we accept that as our mission and who we are. And he says the sad thing is that if you read to like turn the page, which we'll read next year when we get to this parsha, just turn the page and they start murmuring. Of course. <laughs> they start complaining. So we have all this gorgeousness, all this, you are, you are, you are going to be my troops. You are going to go out there and you're going to be on a mission to change the world for the better, for the good, because you have God within you. Each one of you are created in the image of God. Da, 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 da. Trumpets, please. Banners, please. Fetching. And they start fetching. Next pages in the same Parsha. It's the, I, I can't even say next week. They start fetching later today. <laughs> and he said, because we don't know how to handle it. We're given the opportunity all the time to come together. We're given the opportunity all the time to be one people, connected to each other. And of course, I want to say connected to all other peoples, all of humanity. We are given the opportunity all the time to do that, to live into that, to be that in connection with God, in connection with inspired leaders. Think of those kids in Florida and their speeches. That's Alpi Moshe, Biad Moshe. Alpi Adonai from the mouth of God beyond Moshe but with the action the hands of Moshe like the, we have it all the time and we just freak out we just don't know what to do with it we're too afraid to live into our own our own glory our own potential our own right and and I hmm so so may we, you know, hear Shofar as a call to dignity, as a call to our own empowerment, to, to be a people related closely to God and to those ready to lead us by their example, uh, that, we can, that we can achieve 
the victory of this world's humanity's Yetzer HaTov, our good inclination over our evil inclination. You've heard me say it a thousand times because if we don't do it now, it's going to be too late to turn the ship, right? At some point. We, we need to hear it now. So Mickey, we're going to close our eyes and we are going to listen Shifarim. for, huh? Shivarim. Shivarim? Yeah, so we're in a state of Shivarim, aren't we? And brokenness. And so, uh, but how about you give us a tekiya, a really good tekiya, and uh, we are going to allow ourselves to really hear the call of Shofar. <laughs> Good Shabbos. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday morning Torah study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.